You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Coronavirus and Sports. This is Luis Miguel Echegaray. Today, we'll be talking to pro golfer Danielle Kang on her career, training, and current campaign as she helps local food banks in her community, plus a conversation with Olympics, world champion, record holder, and 2019 World Female Athlete of the Year, Dalila Muhammad, as she has a message for young track and field athletes around the world. As society begins to hopefully see light at the end of the tunnel during these times, we have also witnessed athletes from different sports adjust by not just training, but also helping others in their community. From posting messages to charity work, several members of the sports world are trying to do their part in order to encourage unity and teamwork. Today, as our guests, we have two impressive women of color, athletes, competitors and winners in their demanding traits. They will share with us how they have been spending their time as well as looking ahead on what's to come. First, here's professional golfer Danielle Kang and the campaign she started to help others during COVID-19 which has taken off in ways she didn't think possible. Hi, Danielle here. And Maverick. We are starting a brand new campaign called Hashtag Challenge Each Other. It is to benefit the only food bank in Las Vegas where I personally volunteer called Three Square. It's a very simple challenge. All you have to do is challenge someone to do something, and if they complete it, pledge to pledgeit.org slash three square. And uh, we're excited to see what you guys come up with. So stay tuned for a challenge of our own. Kang, alongside her boyfriend and fellow pro golfer Maverick McNeely, challenged others to juggle a golf ball with any club 10 times and catching it in a pocket. By completing and sharing, they would pledge also to help an issue close to her heart, Food Hunger, via a local organization called Three Square. Here's the full interview. 
Joining us now is pro golfer Danielle Kang, three-time LPGA Tour winner and major champion. Aside from her career as a golfer, however, she is also a passionate uh, person in terms of helping her community and those around her, especially during these times. We'll be talking about some of the things she's currently doing, uh, including a, a really fun challenge she started. And talking to us right now from her home in Las Vegas is Danielle. Danielle, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, you guys. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm excited. <laughs> we are so excited to have you. First off, Danielle, let's start on your great campaign you launched a few weeks ago uh, with your boyfriend, PGA Tour player, Maverick McNeely. Hashtag challenge each other as you help your community in Las Vegas. Talk to us a little bit about how it started and, and the idea behind it. Well, so we started challenge each other because we were sitting at home and we decided that there are ways, so many different ways to help each other and help the people. Um, I know we're all under quarantine and everyone must be having a hard time not being able to go out, but um, we we know that there are some people that are having trouble getting food. And Three Square is one of the food banks that I've personally volunteered at in Las Vegas. And I thought to myself, if they were having that much trouble previously, I wonder what they're going through now, especially we can't even grocery shop. So um we came up with this challenge in, hope, in hopes that people would donate and having fun with the challenges. And our first challenge, you know, blew us away. It went viral um, in Japan and everyone just kept doing it. We kept getting tagged on all videos, on stories, posts. It was so many at one point in a day that I couldn't keep on reposting. But um, Maverick and I decided that we would donate a dollar per video for the first 48 hours. And we we lost count after around 250-ish. So we donated 300. And um, it's good to be there for each other and to motivate each other to be better. That's why the campaign's called Challenge Each Other. And it's not even just now, not even later. It's just continuous. You, Maverick and I always challenge each other to do things and golf and on the golf course, off the golf course. So that'd be a good idea. No, it's absolutely great. And as you mentioned, it took kind of a life of its own by like so many people, you know, sharing videos, et cetera. Did you expect this kind of reaction on social from other golfers and fans? Uh, to be honest, no. I thought, I didn't know what I expected. I just hope that, I I know this is weird, but there's a hundred, what, I have 143,000 followers on Instagram. So all I hoped was, dollar per person would have been a hundred thousand dollar minimum that's what i was thinking and more of just one dollar per person section but um i know that donations donation but i just really i think my outlook on the challenge itself kind of changed because the fact that people have so much fun with it and every video you watch just smile at the end of it i think you can't put a price on it so i'm just glad that people are enjoying it and hopefully that the word gets out even more and when that um, reaches them that their whole f they would be able to donate when they can. So, yeah, that the hashtag is challenge each other. Is there any other specific uh, link or website that you wanted to to talk about, just in case anybody wanted to donate? You mentioned, of course, the organization, right? The food bank uh, in Las Vegas. Yes. So the food bank is called Three Square, and then the link is www.pledgeit.org/threesquare. The links in my Instagram, and I post about it a lot, and. Honestly, a dollar goes a long way. It, each dollar equals three meals. And that's what um, we created the second challenge of stacking three golf balls 
And we've gotten a lot of complaints that it's really, really difficult. But it's a challenge. It's not supposed to be easy. So, <sighs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, listen, we're going to talk about your career, of course. But you, uh, something that really interests me about you is that you have a strong passion when it comes to helping people, especially those suffering from hunger. When did this all start for you? Uh, did, did a spark just, just come to you uh, at some point, would you say? Uh, well, so... Kind of, yes and no. I think one of the earliest memories I have is with my dad when I was young and there were a lot of homeless people down in Busan, South Korea, um, in certain markets. And I used to visit Korea a lot when I was a kid. And my dad would take my brother and I and buy a bunch of hamburgers and we would give it out to all these homeless people that are in the streets. And he always used to tell us, he never made me finish my food. <laughs> but he always used to say you should be thankful that you have food because there are a lot of people that don't, a lot of kids that don't have food. And um, I think I gained respect learning that. And even when I went to Pepperdine, I gave up all my food credits to all the Santa Monica homeless people because um, I my house was 20, 15, 20 minutes away and I never ate on campus. So um, things like that, I think, sparked with me. And hunger is just one thing that I never experienced and I don't know what that feels like. Um, I don't know. When you wake up, you wake up and sometimes our automatic thing is to do is what do I want for breakfast? And that's kind of the passion that I have that people just, we have so much food that can be shared. So even in the pandemic during the coronavirus, when everybody's shopping at the grocery store, America is not running out of food. If everybody just keeps stable and just take what they need, everyone's going to get what they need anyways, is what my outlook is. Um, even after that, we have more to share. So uh, that's kind of the passion that I have to, in helping. And that's why I started to working with UNICEF. And um, yeah. No, it's, it's really commendable. Uh, and as you mentioned, uh, you know, we take it for granted, obviously, and especially during the outbreak. Let's move on. Let's talk about you uh, and your career, especially now, how difficult has it been not being able to compete on the LG, L LPGA Tour and other events? So I actually came to Scottsdale to practice for a couple of weeks. And I had to be quarantined, really quarantined, and haven't been able to touch a club. Um, I know that that's a lot of people's cases. I didn't know it was going to be this hard to get my feel back. It's been pretty difficult. I've been having <laughs> tantrums at the golf course. <laughs> Absolute tantrums. More, more so than usual? Or <laughs> Ooh, I, it is. It, I'm not even, you know, those people that get really mad on the range and you don't know why they're upset. They're on the range. That's me right now. So it's, I, I haven't moved past four feet on the green yet because that's something that I have to figure out before I make it advance for myself now, but it's, it's been pretty difficult, but, um, I always try and look on a better, better view and say, I, yes, I think it's pretty nice that I still have a job. It's really nice that I have a job to go back to and I'm in a pretty good state just hanging out at home and waiting to play golf when the pandemic's over. So, but in competition wise, I think it's got to start in order for me to figure out how tough it's going to be. There was a momentum that was happening uh, at the beginning of the year for you. How are what are you doing right now, 
during these times when you're not being able to compete for training and staying sharp, are you doing anything specific? Is it just more about just being patient and, 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 and just relaxing or, or is there anything specific that you're doing to stay sharp? Yes, almost everything. So one of the things I do is to always check setup at home. That's something you can do with the mirror. Um, that's something that I regret that I didn't do consistently, but now I know. And the little in-room workouts, um, taking care of your body. I think I'm healthier than I ever was. I, my body feels great. Um, I got a mental break from all of it. I, like I said earlier, when I was having a breakdown at the golf course, I've never felt so many emotions in a day for so many weeks. Cause golfers, you hit one good shot. You're really happy. You hit one bad. You're super upset. Just a lot of up and downs. And I haven't felt that in a while and controlling your emotions and things like that. So, uh, one of the things I'm most happy about during the, this thing is that I'm able to take rest, spend time with my friends and family, whether it's via FaceTime or at home with my dog, whatever it is. I've just never been home this long for long as I remember, um, maybe since middle school. So I'm really excited. Yeah, it's um, a conversation we've had with many athletes, specifically, you know, individual based uh, technique athletes such as golf or fencing, gymnastics, where the individual is is so focused outside of the team sports, is that people are athletes are discovering so many new things about themselves, and it, it sounds to me that that's what, what what's happening to you. You're rediscovering certain traits, uh, golf and non golf uh, characteristics about yourself. Yes, I am. I I started painting again because I haven't done that in a long time. Uh, it takes a lot of diligent effort and time and it's very time consuming. Yeah. So I haven't done that in a long time. And I, I got back to that. I played a lot of board games. I love games, but that also takes a lot of time, which I haven't done. Um, you just never realize how much golf really takes up your entire life. And it's a, I always tell people it's not a, it's not just a sport. It's a full lifestyle because we have a year round season and we eat and we practice almost every day for it and practice and work out and all that stuff. So. Interesting. Talking about golf uh, and the golf community, how do you think, um, you know, obviously it's hard to ask it from a general perspective, but how do you think the golf community has reacted from the beginning of the outbreak to now, you know, with cancellations of tournaments and even things like, you know, rewatching the Masters or even LPGA Tour, uh, you know, replays? How do you think the golf community has reacted during this time? Uh, I think positive and negative. There are a lot. Guess there are a lot of people that are pretty agitated in Nevada that the golf courses are closed. Yet we come to Arizona and all the golf courses are opened. Um, LA is all closed. They could always look at it as why are they playing? Why are we not? Um, I think people miss sports a lot and replays of one of the greatest memories, uh, greatest moments, whether it's the Masters. Uh, what is that? Phil Mickelson's Insta post of sitting back on Sunday and watching them win the Masters was one of the funniest things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I still laugh. But yeah, things, it's, I think it's, it's hard to say. It's positive and negative. And I'm sure that when it's ready to start up, um, we'll all just be glad to be back, whenever that will be. Absolutely. Danielle Kang, three-time LPGA Tour winner, major champion. Thank you so much for joining us today and speaking so honestly about what's going on with you and, and, and your life. Cool. Thank you guys so much for having me. We'll return after these short messages. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. From golf to the world of track and field, we also talk to the impressive, inspiring Dalila Muhammad. In 400-meter hurdles, the Muslim-American star broke the world record twice last year and ended 2019 as the World Female Athlete of the Year. She has used this time during COVID-19 to alter her training as well as mentor younger athletes, especially girls of color, who look up to her and see her as an inspiration. Take a listen. Joining us now is Dalila Muhammad, track and field star from Team USA. She's the first woman in American history to win the 400-meter hurdles at the Olympics. She's a world record holder, breaking her own record last year at the World Championships. And she was and is the World Female Athlete of the Year for 2019. Dalila, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you. Dalila, you are an inspiring voice uh, in so many ways, and we're going to uh, you know, talk about your career and also other things during the outbreak. But let's talk about last year. It was an incredible one for you, twice lowering the 400-meter hurdles, Female World Athlete of the Year, as I mentioned. Now with the pandemic, things are different. How is your training going during the outbreak, and how much have you had to do in order to adjust? Yeah, I think it's definitely safe to say it was my best year on the track last year. I had an amazing, amazing season. You said it so well, breaking my own record twice. So it definitely was a little bit heartbreaking to get the news this year about this pandemic, obviously for the lives that are being lost and just the devastating effects it's having on the world. But, you know, as a professional athlete that looks forward to the Olympics every four years, it definitely was just upsetting in itself. And this year, I've definitely just kind of had to refocus my mind more than anything. I um, had to change up my training, training at the parks now, and just kind of figuring out like what comes next, not knowing what comes next, and just kind of dealing with the uncertainty. You mentioned, you know, you've had to refocus your training and your mind. So let's talk a little bit about that. How, how is this personally going on with you? I mean, you're in California, your family's on the East Coast. How are you doing personally during this time? Um, you know, it's, it's definitely difficult having my family all the way on the East Coast. I'm normally used to it, but for some reason, I think with this, all that's going on, it feels a little bit different having them so far and not being able to you know, just travel to see them whenever I would like. Um, so that's definitely been difficult. I've had to kind of, when I say refocus my mind, it's just, it's so much uncertainty. And I think in track and field, especially, you know exactly when the race is coming, you know what date, you know exactly when you have to be ready for it. And not knowing that it's, it's just in a different world that we've never experienced ever before. Um, we don't even know if we will have a season this year. So that's, you know, we know the Olympics are postponed, but we don't know about our normal season. And it's, it's kind of difficult just staying motivated every single day to get up and go to training. But, you know, we're all just kind of doing our best and putting our best foot forward. 
it's good to hear even a world champion goes through the same struggles. People can relate. As we already know, Japan and the International Olympic Committee agreed to postpone the Tokyo Games until July 23rd next year. You mentioned it, of course, uh, because of the pandemic. What are your thoughts in regards to the postponement? And are you actually optimistic that they even will happen in that time frame? You know, I'm staying optimistic. I guess hopeful is the best word I can use for it. And that's all we could do. Like I said, we always, as an athlete, a track and field athlete, you look forward to the Olympics every four years. And it's it's on the schedule. It's in the plans. It's been in the making for the last three years. And, I, you know, obviously to get the news that it would be postponed was heartbreaking. So I guess my fingers are just crossed that it'll happen. Um, I did hear the news that it's a potentially going to um, get canceled altogether. And I definitely would not be, you know, excited if that was the case. So I definitely just kind of keeping my fingers crossed and I hope that it won't happen. All right, let's talk about some good stuff, uh, especially with you. Let's talk about the fact that you're a nonstop record breaker, as we mentioned. It took 16 years to change the standard in 400-meter hurdles, and you did it twice last year, and the record right now at 52.16. How are you feeling it um, in terms of breaking it again? Do you think it's possible? I do think it's possible. I think, you know... I think it was definitely the goal for sure. I definitely wanted to go into there and with my mind was on breaking the record, especially back in Des Moines, Iowa, when I ran 52-20, that was definitely on my mind. And I wanted, my goals was to win the world championships. And, you know, if it happened in a world record, great. And if it didn't, I'd still be happy with the win. So I definitely think there's room for improvement there. I dropped my 400 time this year, I ran 50.6, which is a PR for me. Um, so yeah, I definitely think it's room to improve in just my flat running speed. So we'll see if that, you know, running a little faster in the 400 flat will help my hurdles. It's a little scary to hear that you think there's room for improvement. Looking forward to that. We know that you're also incredibly busy away from track. How else are you keeping yourself busy right now during these times? You know, well, well, I just want to backtrack a little bit. You know, NASA ran 48 low in the 400. So I think 48 low and 50.6 is quite some ways away. And so that's definitely a huge improvement. And, you know, just running a 400. But, you know, off the track right now, I guess, you know, I'm really just staying focused on, like, family and friends, I think, more than anything. Um, I've used this time to kind of reconnect with people and um, even doing, like, small mentorships, just like, you know, for the younger generation and seeing like where people I don't normally, you know, hit up in my every, you know, day to day, um, just definitely making a point to do that now that I have the time one and to just see where the world is at. So Dalila, you mentioned about mentoring and helping uh, the younger athletes, the younger generation. What are some of the things that you're looking to do or doing during these times as well? You know, I definitely have been just keeping athletes motivated. Um, and when I use the term um, younger generation, I'm definitely using that term loosely because I've spoken to high school, high school athletes all the way up to professional athletes that are younger than myself. Um, for example, Donovan Brazier, we speak frequently and um, kind of just keep each other motivated in terms of just saying like what we're doing for training and that's really been helping just seeing what other people are doing so you know that you're not alone in this situation. Um, very early on before the quarantine kind of happened, I had a college girl who had just, you know, her season had been canceled so she came out to train with me so that was definitely nice just having her around to kind of keep her motivated. 
obviously we're not doing that anymore, but, you know, still staying in contact, just kind of keep her motivated. And anyone that DMs me now, I'm answering them. So shoot me a DM, especially if you need any advice, I'll answer. You were born in Queens, New York, your family is still there, as we mentioned. How, how are they doing during all of this? How, how often do you talk to them? Every day, every day. Um, yeah, they're doing well. Um, you know, my brother-in-law was um, actually diagnosed with COVID-19, and luckily he's doing very, very well, though. Um, his, his symptoms was very low, um, but he did get tested, and it did come back positive. So, you know, he just had to kind of quarantine himself in my sister's home, and they're, but they're doing great. And my family, my mother and father, they're doing great as well. That's really, really good to hear. You're also an inspiration to young Muslim girls and black and brown athletes all over. Uh, I myself, as a person of color, see you as an inspiration for so many athletes as well. Do you think about this during this time, especially when minority communities are being hit the hardest during the pandemic? I mean, absolutely. I think it's definitely something that's always on my mind. I think even more recently, um, going back to my last season in track and field, I think I became a lot more apparent of the impact that I can have on this world and just the by my sport and what I'm able to do and just kind of always take that leadership role and be that inspiration to others. So that's definitely something that's always in the back of my mind and even more so now with how hard the minorities are being hit. Um, I'm definitely just wondering like what I can do more. I definitely see people um, stepping up and really just being selfless during this time. And I'd love to see that continue for the minorities. Dalila Muhammad, world record holder, world athlete of the year, 2019, an inspiration. And also she believes she can go faster and I don't doubt it. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. As athletes, Danielle Kang and Dalila Muhammad are proven winners. But what's also impressive to see is that their down-to-earth personalities show how grounded they are as people. Their fears and worries are as relative as anyone else's. But what we can hopefully take away from their stories and how they are using their time during the pandemic is that a never-say-never never attitude will take you a long way. If you want to make a donation to 3Square and fight the battle against hunger, head over to 3Square.org. If you want to help elite athletes in the world of track and field in Dalila Muhammad's New York City, head over to the Armory Foundation, armory.nyc. Thanks to Danielle Kang and Dalila Muhammad for joining me today. We'll continue bringing you these stories throughout the coronavirus crisis. If you like what we're doing, please recommend us to a friend or family member and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find the show. You can listen to Coronavirus and Sports for free wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to subscribe or follow us for the latest episodes. Stay safe and we'll see you next time.